Welcome to Behind the Spotlight, a different kind of podcast where we have real, deep conversations with entrepreneurs and celebrity visionaries who are making their potential possible. They are certainly ahead of their time and worthy of yours. So listen as I take your favorite entrepreneurs off a pedestal and onto a bar stool right next to you. In life, it all comes down to building powerful, long-lasting relationships in a thoughtful, authentic way. You know, we all see that highlight reel of successful entrepreneurs, but I want to take you behind the spotlight and show you who they were before they figured it all out. Let's explore the sometimes torturous, but always interesting paths their lives have taken. So I'm Beth, speaker, author, entrepreneur, and a magnetic business mentor. I help entrepreneurs to strategically prepare their business and gain exposure through collaboration and media so they can make their mark on the world. I'm a huge believer in the power of potential to catapult your life forward. So join me as we explore stories of some of our favorite people leveraging their past to make their potential possible on Behind the Spotlight. The one thing I love about this podcast is that I get to bring you my favorite people, and Nicole happens to be one of them. She's the podcaster behind Blissful Bites, a food entrepreneur podcast, and has a huge coaching business with her husband. But Nicole's a force, guys. She's one of those people that you want to be around because she says amazing things, she makes you feel amazing things, and is totally inspirational. And when you listen to her online, yes, online, her tangible tips to implement are of day, meaning you can make it happen today. Listen to this podcast with us. You are going to be blown away. Nicole, I'm so excited you're here with us today. How are you doing today? I'm so good. I'm so happy to be here with you on your podcast and with your listeners. Thank you so much. So Nicole, one thing I find really interesting about you is your transitions in your life. Like I know you were a teacher, but I found you when you were, had a food business, because I also had a small food business. And I think Leanna was the one that said, hey, you should meet my friend, Nicole. How did you get started in the food business? Yeah. So yes, we had a food business. I was a fourth grade special ed teacher in New York city. And I was totally one of those teachers that was like counting down, counting down the days. I had the calendar on my desk that I would X out like every single day. And it just got to this point where I was always living for the weekends and for vacations. And we had we had a a really big death in our family. My godmother passed away and it was really tough. It was really tough. And it, and the biggest blessing that came out of this was just the realization that like she died in her early fifties and she was always so stressed out about work. And it was just like one of those blessings that came from like really dark days and grief and pain. We're, we're really jumping right into it here. Um, And And I just said, like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I can't be one of those teachers that is like, I just have to get through 25 years of my life to retire. And I made a plan. We took, we took a whole year to plan out my departure from teaching my husband and I, and he had, you know, a quote unquote safe, safe job with a salary that would support us. So we were very lucky that that helped me take the leap, but I I got out of school in June. I started 
crafting my food business and my health coaching business, basically the whole second half of the school year. Once January hit, I was like, okay, I had graduated from integrative, the Institute of Integrative Nutrition. I started taking on some clients. And then I was like, that's it. Once June hits, I'm going, I'm doing farmer's markets. I'm going to yoga studios, Pilates studios, gyms. I'm going to validate this, this business. And I gave myself July and August, it was like six weeks. And if I could bring in money and validate my business in six weeks, and I was going to quit on August 15th. So basically I didn't have kids at the time. So I had plenty of time to run around and do demos and just share my products with people and people love them and they were buying them and they wanted them. And when it came time, August 15th, I quit my teaching (laughs) job and it was like the best scariest, like sweating, like physical reaction, um, in my life. So that's how I started. Yes, totally. That's amazing. So I have two questions that come out of that. Like, where did you get your business acumen from then? Like, I don't know if I would have known before I really started this online business to validate my, my idea, but did you have any training or anything? I mean, my mom is a business owner, so she okay. owns an all, all state insurance business and she really she really built that up from scratch. But no, I don't I don't know. I don't know where it came from. We did a lot of research and we were just like, "Oh my gosh, there's nothing out here really on how to build a food business from scratch." We there was like one book at the time. Um I think it was called like Cooking Up a Business or something something <laughs> like that where it it gave something these hokey. Yeah, it gave these mini stories of some food businesses like Mary's Gone Crackers. Um, I think Love Grown Foods might have been in it, but it was like, you know, a handful of pages on each story. And that was like, okay, well, we're just going to try it. And what happened was I went into all these places because I was also trying to get health coaching clients. And it was just kind of like the natural thing to be like, Hey, do you want to do a health coaching thing? And can I come in and share my food with people? And, you know, everyone was just really nice to be honest. And they were like, sure, come in because it was also a cool way for them to bring something new into their business as well. So it was kind of like a reciprocal relationship. Yeah. Like a way you're creating a win-win for door as well as for you. I, I, I did the same thing. I had those snack bars up until the end of COVID. I'm sorry, the beginning of COVID. And I, you know, I remember sitting in those, in like the local Lululemon and like cutting up little pieces (laughs) and handing them out and trying to figure it out, you know, all that kind of stuff. When my kids were little. Yeah. And we were having this conversation on, on my podcast together and it is the best way to start because then people start telling people about it and it just kind of like grew like wildfire in a way I didn't expect. But of course the polarity of with the good comes the tough, right? Like it was growing a food business is hard and it's physically hard. And there's a lot of things that no one tells you about what it's like to actually like cook in a commercial (laughs) kitchen and the profit margins. And while it looks very glamorous, like our goal was Mm -mm. when we started, our goal was like, we're going to sell millions of bags of granola to make this, this teeny, tiny, teeny, tiny little (laughs) profit that was going to go back into the business. So after doing that for, we started in 2011 and we shut it down in 2018 when I was like super massively pregnant with my third daughter. Right. And 
it was such an emotional, it was so hard to do. Like we were so attached. I was so attached to it, but it came to the point where I was like, okay, should I keep running this business or should I take time off with my, with my baby? And right. that was like no brainer. Oh, that's so, I could imagine that's so nice, but I, I totally agree. And I, I kind of got tired of like lugging the food everywhere and even doing what, you know, doing what I do with the cookbook and doing TV and that kind of stuff. Like I'm always lugging vodka and tequila with me everywhere. And I, and I kind of feel like I want to let go of that so I can just talk and be me. Um, and I, cause I found that was one piece of it, but what I also going to call what I find really interesting about you and your business is that your husband is actually in your business. Yeah. I, I actually had a conversation with mine the other day and I was like, aren't you interested in this stuff? And he was like, no, like, don't you want to learn all about podcasting? He was like, no. So I said to him, I, well, what I say to him all the time is I thank God you're cute. And now you can leave my office. <laughs> but I, because I'm a little jealous. I really am. And I, I've met your husband. He's an amazing guy, but you guys work closely together and you have three kids. Do, do you have like a secret formula you can teach us on how to work with your, your spouse? Because my parents have worked together, I don't know, for like 30 years. And I, they don't have, and I always ask them like, what's the secret? They're like, uh, we ignore each other. I don't know. Like they don't have like an answer. What's your answer? Yeah. That's so funny. People ask us this question all the time. And well, first he's also sitting right here, which I like four years ago or even a year ago, I never would have let him even be in the room while I was doing something like this. So, I mean, what's the secret? It, one, knowing your personalities, I think is really key. I definitely don't think everyone is meant to work together. And the other thing is you got to, you, we're, this is such a fuzzy line and we are always working on this, but you have to find some separation between marriage and business. And I think it was murky for us for a while because Dan came into, came into quote, my quote unquote business, even though our, not obviously, but we share all our money. We share all our profits. You know, we share all our debts. Like we, we share, we share everything. They're really, we've been together since I was 18 years Aww. old. We got married when I was 23. Like we've been together a really long time. So we had to grow and evolve together and separately. And I think that is a really big key to it. And communication. When he came into this business, it was kind of like I was his boss in a way, but we had to we had established roles and zones of geniuses. And also we realized even, even somewhat recently, like if he's meant to stay in this business, then he needed to become his own leader. And we needed more, we needed more um, woman power. We needed more of a team. So that's something actually our focus is right now is just both of us staying in our zones of genius. I don't, really report to him anymore, which is what I did because he was kind of operating in a managerial role in an integrator role. So even in the past few months, we've hired someone to be an integrator that I actually report to that isn't him. And now he really focuses on team building and leadership and it's, it all still is new. We definitely don't have it down, but I would say communication, knowing your roles and finding a way to separate your marriage and your business is, is what works for us, but it's never, it's never perfect. And it's always evolving. <laughs> it's gotta be always evolving. Is there something that you always do to make sure that you keep the peace? Like I honestly, I can't even imagine Andrew and I working together. Like he's so good at like getting stuff done like take these boxes here, do this, that kind of thing. But if I start to talk to him about 
like he he joined Facebook this year. Like, let's just put it that way. So he doesn't really understand most of what I do. And I think for me, the hardest part would be like listening to somebody, especially when you guys started, like listening to somebody else's ideas when they come from no information. But Stan, you know, he he obviously he learned with you. Yeah. I mean, it's it's some of it is respect, I think, for mm-hmm. us, but also some of it sometimes I just need to talk and I don't want your ideas or opinions. And right. I will don't say fix that. it. Yeah. Right. Sometimes I just want to talk and I don't want feedback. And sometimes I do want feedback. So again, it's like, let me communicate that. And gosh, I I, I say these things, but I'm so not perfect with it, but I'm learning to be better. That's the key. And sometimes I just want to be like, hey, will you hear this? I just need to talk it out so I can work it out. And then sometimes like yesterday we were planning our content and I was like, can you look at this? I want your feedback on it. So again, I think it, it's just being, being communicative and understanding like for you, what do you need in that moment and sharing that with the other person? Well, I'll give you lots of props because I don't know if I could do that, to be honest. <laughs> I can do that with my team members. I'm very respectful and I, I want their information. We're very well married. We're not great working together. You know, we, we've been married for like 20, we've been together, what, 20, almost 24 years. Yeah. I, th- I think that's so great that you know that though. I think yes. when you try and make something and force it, 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 that's when it's a problem. And man, I, man, woman, whatever, but I've had to do so much work on myself as a leader and a CEO. And that's something that my business coach really just, you know, lay it, lays it all out on the line is like, if I want to be someone who helps a lot of people, then it's not just me as an influencer. It's not just me on Instagram. I have to be a leader and I have to be a CEO and I have to show my team how I want to lead people too. So it's really not just about me, Nicole. It's really also how do I operate within my team and how do I build leadership within my team? And I, I know I just, again, try to delineate between like, okay, when I get huffy as a wife, you know, when I'm Mm -hmm. impatient as a wife, when I'm frustrated as a wife, I can't bring that to my business because that's also not fair to my business. It's not fair to my team for me to bring my emotions as a wife into my business. And again, it's, it's, it's an evolving process, but that's what I, I wouldn't show up. If I had a job at Target, if I was on the leadership team at Target, I wouldn't bring my marriage there. So I can't bring my marriage into, no. into my business. No, you can't. Well, you know, so I'm curious, were you always a leader? Like I, I imagine like Nicole in middle school being like the president of the student body. Like what was Nicole like forever? No. no? Oh my gosh. No, not at all. I was like totally uh hide. I, I totally have been stepping into this role for the past few years, but oh my gosh, no, like my, when I started a blog in like 2008, 2009, my friends thought it was hysterical and they totally made fun of me for it. Um, because no, I was totally like quiet, didn't do anything, like played on the tennis team in middle school because it was like an independent thing, uh, would not do anything for extra attention, like no total quiet person, shy, (laughs) all those opposite, 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 opposite of an extrovert. And a little bit of the opposite of what you are now, you know, stepping into your, to leadership roles is, I'm assuming your friends aren't laughing at you anymore. Because you've created quite a business for yourself, but I felt that way when I was doing the cocktail book. Like my friends would be like, "You're writing a what? Like a what? 
I'm like, I like cocktails. They're like, you like one and a half cocktails. Like I'm not the best drinker. Sometimes two if I ate a big lunch. But a lot of people, including like my uncle was like, that's not going to happen. That's so like, funny. Yes, it, it is. And look, it did. You know, because because yeah. I've always been somebody that can create something. Um, and stepping, but I think stepping into leadership is something that you can, you don't need to always be that person, but you can step into it. You can learn how to be a leader. Oh, I think you have to. I don't, yeah. I think you have to learn how to be a leader. And that's something that we're trying to take like that's right now, that's our number one priority is how to, is continuing to learn because we have really found like to have the business we want to have, to get where we want to go, to be able to impact thousands and thousands of people. I can't do this on my own. I can't do this without a team. I can't do it without Dan and my other amazing, amazing members of our team. So in order, and that's, I think, where a lot of people get stuck and has been such an, a learning process for us is like, I think when you hire your first people, now I'm lucky that I've had Dan because he's been my right-hand person. He knows me. He knows my strengths. He gets our business. I didn't have to train someone to do that, to be that other person, to be that integrator. And I've been so fortunate that he's now training all of our team and doing such a phenomenal job. And if I had to do that, I think I would have really struggled with that. But yeah, I don't know. I don't remember where I was going with that. But I think, yeah, you do have to 100% learn. And even if you thought you knew how to be a leader, I think nowadays, I think it, it's changed so much that you just, you kind of have to learn all over again. Well, for you, what does stepping into being a leader mean? Like, I know for me, it's stepping into being really authentic, really vulnerable and upfront about what's actually going on. Because I know that when I share like the not shiny side, that's when I get the most transformation from the people I work with. That's such a good question. What does it mean? It means just doing what I am meant to be here to do and literally letting go of all of the other tasks. And that has been the thing. It's not about me working more and it's not about me trying to fill my days with hours and hours of tasks, like everything that isn't within my zone of genius. And this is something that I used to just do just work to work, work to work to just get something done, work to feel productive. Cause part of my identity was like wrapped up into that. Oh my gosh, you have to work to make more money. But now I'm like, how can I do less? How can I not, not fill my days? How can I like go outside and breathe fresh air and then and focus on what I can do, how, what I, who I can be for my, for my clients. And right now that looks like I'm doing um, a, like a coaching certification, an NLP certification, and that looks like diving in there so I can also be a better coach for my people. So leadership for me just means right now delegating, letting them do what they, the third zones of genius are and just sticking to mine. Well, I, I really appreciate that because I think it's hard for people to understand that hiring people to work for you is you stepping into your zone of genius because like, I'm not great at numbers. So I hired somebody to help me with the number part. Like I'm not, I'm not great at cleaning my house. Hopefully one day my cleaning girl can come back in and help me out. You know, like there's stuff that I'm not good at that I think that new entrepreneurs struggle with so much instead of seeing, Hey, I can spend whatever, $30 an hour for somebody to do this, or I can spend five hours of my own time and not get it done or not get it done correctly. Yeah. It's so, 
I think, oh man, numbers are such a sticky topic for so many people, right? I mean, I used to hide from them so much and I really had to just stop doing that nonsense and just get okay and accept whatever numbers. We tell us ourselves these stories around the numbers in our business and tie our worth and our value to them. But the truth is like, I am not my business and it doesn't, if my business is successful or not, it actually doesn't mean anything about me as a person. And it's been a really interesting journey just to kind of dive in. That was like such a tangent from what, from what you said, but yeah, but I like that yes. a lot. I, <laughs> no, but I really like that a lot because I, I actually did a post the other day where I was doing some automatic writing and I just wrote down all those stories. And one of the stories was I'm not great at numbers. Now the backstory is my parents switched me from, public school to Hebrew day school in second grade. So I can add really well. It's subtraction that I never really learned. So, but the story I've always told myself is I can't do numbers. You know, there's other things that I can't do or this is standing in my way because we all tell ourselves those stories. It's figuring out how to still have those stories within us, but to be able to move around them. So what, like, what do you use for that? Because I'm honestly, I'm struggling with that currently because I'm leveling up what I'm doing. I'm leveling up the people that I'm around. And I've had moments of like, wait a minute, they, they think they must think I'm bigger than I am. They must think I'm better than I am. Like, how do I, how am I going to have this conversation, you know, with this, which is honestly completely new for me because I'm always that person that is the most like messy and we'll figure it out and whatever it is. But because I'm so invested in where I want to be right now and how I want to get there, it's all that stuff's kind of creeping up on me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the the biggest thing that's helped me when it comes to that is just knowing like you can be a million dollar business, you can be a eight, seven or eight figure business owner and your story around not feeling good enough, if you don't work on that, it's still going to be there. And it doesn't mean that I'm not a seven figure business owner yet, but you know, we we are in like the mid you know, the mid hundreds of thousands of dollars. And my story around not going, not being good enough still hasn't fully like gone away yet. And I've just, I've kind of just accepted that it's okay. I feel like that. And Uh it doesn't have anything to do with my business. I'm sure like Sarah Blakely has days where she wakes up and she's like, Hey, I don't feel that great today. And that's, that's okay. So that the first thing is, is like, I think we all, it's like a unifying factor is that sometimes, hopefully it's not more than not, but sometimes that's a different story. Right. Yeah. Sometimes we just wake up and we have a day and it's okay to have a day. It's okay to have a week, but how do you recover from that? Or how do you just, how do you move on from that? And how do I work through those stories is such, is such a good question. And I don't know this exact step-by-step. Sometimes it looks like talking to a mentor. Sometimes it looks like talking to my business coach. Sometimes it looks like talking to my husband. Sometimes it looks like me doing a meditation or a hypnosis. Sometimes it looks like journaling. I think the biggest thing that I do is connect with myself and my intuition. And I don't know how spiritual or woo-woo your your people are, but but I Go don't for the woo. I love that stuff. Yeah. Oh, gosh, I, I hate that that term has been coined to equal listening to your intuition and connecting with your higher self because it's it's not it's not woo to say, okay, I'm going to listen to what my my heart or my intuition or my higher no. self says. But 
I think separating fact from story one, and then just saying like, okay, what, what tool in my toolbox do I want to use to help me accept this story, to heal from this story and not be so fast to change it because it's there, it's there for a reason. So usually it's some type of like unprocessed emotion that I have, I haven't fully dealt with yet. So Eckhart Tolle has really helped me with this. I don't know if you ever read mm-hmm. The Power of Now yeah. or um, A New Earth. Going back to that is just the simplest way. And then just using the tools in my in my toolbox is there's no one way, I feel yeah. like. There's not one way, but I, I really appreciate that because I, I do the same thing. And I think it's acknowledging that you have those stories and that they're there for you to step over, step around, but never actually let go of. I use this tool that I learned a long, long time ago. It's nothing means anything until you give it meaning, right? So mm-hmm. say I called you, you didn't call me back. What does that mean? I must not be a good entrepreneur. I must suck. She must hate me. Or it means she has three kids and guess what? She's a little busy. You know, I can create totally. any story to mean anything. So I try to create yeah. the story where it's like, this is grow. I think I say this most to myself. You're feeling like this because you're growing. You're feeling like this because you're trying to create something new and different and that's okay. And as long as this doesn't stop you, then feel it. And the more I feel it, totally. the more it dissipates. That's growing and that's growing pains. We're so used to just equating like being safe with being comfortable. But mm-hmm. the truth is like all those cliche terms of like getting outside of your comfort zone. It's true. It's so, true. so we have to really, we have to really discern like what is what is growing pains? What am I feeling because it's uncomfortable because I'm growing? And like, what is actual danger? Because there's there's two really, really separate versions of it. And most of the time, it's not danger. It's most of the time, it's just us being like, oh my gosh, my ego or my brain or whatever term you you give it that fits for you is trying to keep me keep you safe because you're trying to do something new and it's stretching you and you're growing and how can you welcome that in instead of trying to push it away right it's almost like you have to welcome the risk you're taking in your life so i think that you know people listening i hope they're getting from this conversation like it's okay to feel all like this it's okay to feel like you're a failure as long as you keep moving through it then it's okay. Because like you said, Sarah Blakely, and I was, I was listening to an interview the other day about celebrities and every celebrity was like, oh my God, I'm so nervous when I go on the tonight show, or I'm so nervous when I show up on camera. Like, I don't know what I'm going to say. And you think that they're the most comfortable because they're actors or they're celebrities or, you know, or anybody else that is on camera speaking anywhere. And I can't, and I can't, I can tell you with real certainty that 99% of those people are nervous as hell and don't mm-hmm. want to be there and are freaking out. Like um, I was listening to, what's her name? Kelly Ripa the other day, she had an interview and she was like, you don't think I want to throw up every time I walk on that stage and I've been doing it forever. So that helps me. Like if Kelly Ripa is still nervous about going on camera every day, then I can put my Facebook live on. Totally. And I think if, if you're not, if there's like no, because nervous and excited tend to create the same feeling in your body. And if you're not feeling like, if it's like, oh, I'm just going to do this again. That's how I was when I was teaching. I didn't sign up to be comfortable when I signed up to be an entrepreneur. I didn't sign up to stay comfortable and to not grow because the more I grow and the more I heal from the stories, 
the more I can help my people because I get messages every day from clients and students who are like, I just journaled on this. I just worked through these money stories. I just worked through this relationship with my father. And because you talk about your relationship with your father, this helped me so much. We tend to think, oh my gosh, the people we see in front of us, they must have these perfect backgrounds with these perfect white picket fences and these perfect families. And they never had any trauma or never had any <laughs> hardships, but imagine <laughs> gosh it's, it couldn't be further from the truth everyone has their their story everyone does and I see so I have two teenage boys I know your kids are a little younger than my kids but I see I've seen the stories they've created for themselves and I see that the the blocks they put in front of themselves and I really try to parent their way through it but sometimes I just I think it's the most uncomfortable even being an entrepreneur or tv or whatever else I do like watching my kids struggle through their blocks is got to be the worst thing. It's it's so painful, but I know they need to do it just like we need to go through our own. Do you see yeah. that in your kids yet? Not yet. No, I don't. I mean, they're still, my oldest is eight. Yeah, they're still, um, little. Yeah, they're still little. I mean, they're so, they're so little. I mean, it's, it's definitely, I definitely parent a heck of a lot different than my parents parented. I mean, we definitely talk about how you know, anything you're feeling is safe. Emotions are safe. Your feelings are valid. Your feelings are safe. We've tried even in the past year to really get away from saying things like, don't cry. It's okay. Mm -hmm. You don't have mm -hmm. to cry. And for a while, like in my journey and as I've gone down this path, I went from thinking, oh my gosh, I should just be grateful all the time and I should be happy all the time to, to really being like, oh my gosh, well, no, all emotions are safe. I can, it's okay if I feel sad. It's okay if I feel angry. It's okay if I feel frustrated. And for a long time, I, I thought it wasn't okay because if I felt those, you know, lower emotions that, oh, I wasn't going to be able to attract clients or attract money. And that's, that couldn't literally, that couldn't be further from the truth. While gratitude and appreciation is definitely at the core of, of my values. And I can always, and I will say always, I can always see an upside to any downside. I can always find appreciation in anything, anything. I can always find the blessings. However, that doesn't mean I walk around like <laughs> ecstatic all no. the time. And I, and I don't want my kids to pretend that they are either. So that's, I mean, actually for my oldest, like one of our, one of the things that we work on the most is just showing emotions and talking about how we feel as opposed to just not, and just pretending everything's okay. No, we can't do that. I, you know, I have two boys, so I definitely parent them in a way that I want them to like, I'm creating men. I I've always felt like this, even before I had kids. I wanted chivalrous guys. I wanted guys that opened the door and did all that kind of stuff. But I also wanted guys that were in touch with their feelings and can cook. Like, I don't know why that's what I came up with. But, you know, the other day we were having a conversation about people's love languages. It was like the, and I hadn't brought it up. They had, somebody had read, one of them had read an article about that. They were like, mommy, what's your love language? <laughs> I was like, what the, why are you asking me what my love language is? What's daddy's love language? But it was such an interesting conversation to have because I basically have two adults, you know, they're almost yeah. in my house. Um, and I am starting to see like the fruits of the labor that you're putting in right now. In like 10 years, you're like, oh, you actually listened. Mm -hmm. And I can't imagine what where what they would have been at if I had started when they were eight because mm -hmm. I just I just wasn't into it yet. I didn't know about it yet. 
Yeah. I mean, we all do the best we can with where we are, right? Like with my, with our two-year-old, oh my gosh, we now, now if one of us slips up because it is so ingrained to be like, oh, stop crying. If one of us slips up and says that to our two-year-old, my, our five-year-old would be like, you're not supposed to tell her to stop crying. <laughs> I love that. And they totally catch us. But yeah, we told, we totally did not do that with our eight-year-old with oh, our yeah. first one. Like we just wanted to keep her, you know, happy all the time. Not, not, not in terms of like, you know, give it, feeding her candy until her eyes bleed or her stomach hurts, but just like, you know, protect her from like, put her in a rubber room and make sure she never hurts herself. Like that was our, you know, first child, that's what you tend to do. But now yep. by the third child, we're like, you know, you can feel whatever you're feeling. It's cool. <laughs> sure. It's okay. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that's amazing. Well, I know you take care of your clients just like you want to support your family. And I, I hear that right now you're working on something called the Facebook map. Can you tell us a little bit about, about your new program? Yes. Yes. So we really work with mostly influencers, mostly in the health and wellness space and really help them like, because we, something that we believe in and what I was talking about earlier is not having to work all the time, not having to show up on social media 24 seven, having your hand attached to your cell phone all hours of the day. So something that we've been able to create starting from when we had our food business to running summits and online courses is how do you actually set up a system in your business so you can bring in new people to your business, so you can uh, have your content working for you without having to be in continual content creation, without having to have yourself tied to your phone. And that's the system that we've created that uses your content and brings people in through using Facebook and Instagram ads. And we really believe and we know and we've seen and we've studied with ourselves, with our one-to-one clients, with our influencer intensive students. It's it's the best and the biggest opportunity right now to be using Facebook and Instagram ads to grow your audience and grow your income without having to spend a lot of money without having to be on your phone all the time and without having to be in continual content creation right now in our business, because like I told you, I've been doing a lot of studying right now. So I'm not picking up and sharing on Instagram stories like I would normally. I haven't shown my face in a few weeks, but that doesn't mean my business should stop. Um, When my internet wire literally fell off my house two or three weeks ago. It, it was okay. It was okay. <laughs> Nothing was going to stop because we have a system set up. And that's really what we, our goal is for our one-to-one clients and for our students is to, what is the system? If you have to step away from your business, can it make money still? Can it bring in new people? And again, Facebook and Instagram ads are one of the best tools right now to be doing this. So we have a free free guide um, that we gave you the link for. It's nicoleculver.co forward slash Facebook ads map. And you can go, you can download it and that will help you get get you started. Because a lot of people think Facebook and Instagram ads are complicated, that it has to be a lot of money. And some people love to hate them, but we we really embrace them. We really love them. And yes, you could spend thousands of dollars a month, but you totally don't need to. You could spend whatever your budget is really, if you could spend $50 a month, $100 a month, $200 a month, you can just get started with them and start to set up the system so you can get in front of more people and grow your audience and grow your income again, without you having to work all the time. 
Well, I can't wait to download it for myself. Thank you, Nicole, so much for being here. Everyone go to nicoleculver.co slash FB ads map. It'll be in the notes. Nicole, have a great day. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. Thanks for joining me this week on Behind the Spotlight. Make sure to subscribe so you'll never miss a show. And while you're at it, if you found value in this show, I'd love a rating on iTunes or simply tell a friend about it and that would help me out too. But if you like the show and you want to check out more, look me up at bethlightick.com. Plus now I'm offering private 90-minute intensive strategy sessions. You might want to get in on that too. Be sure to tune in next week for the next episode of Behind the Spotlight.